two tales this week, listeners, of two very different adventurers. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab. I'm Professor Theo. Welcome to the lab. I'm broadcasting from my lab on the campus of Splendid University in wondrous, imaginative, supernatural, splendid West Virginia. Amazing tales abound all over town. I am a collector of those tales, and I share them here with you each week. Some people think the experimental, bizarre, top-secret-only-for-me work of my lab has something to do with the kids' superheroes, time-traveling teens, race-car-driving cats, and much more that abound in this town, but I can assure you that is only partially true. November is here, a month to think about thankful things. I'm thankful for you, listeners. I'm thankful for young Tara, who inspired this first story, and for Space Ranger Cletus Cavalier, who inspired the second. Lie back, rest your eyes. Use your imagination and enjoy The Hunt for Red. Tara opened the large, creaky old door slowly, carefully, and took the first steps of a quest into a mysterious, unknown land. Not a soul in sight, she ventured into the darkness. Tara was thankful she'd brought a torch as it lit the trail ahead. Somewhere inside this tomb was hidden the treasure for which she had long searched. Tara stepped over a booby trap, squeezed through a tight crevice, and climbed an intimidating rock wall. Tara had to leave the torch behind, so she had both hands free for climbing. The higher she rose, the darker the path ahead, upward. Suddenly she could see it. Her prize, shining bright from on high, Tara climbed higher, reached, but it was just out of grasp. She wiped the sweat from her brow, clambered more, afraid she would lose hold. And just as she was inches away from victory, Tara was caught. The light to the closet turned on. Tara's mother stood in the doorway, hands on her hips. Miss, what do you think you are doing? You could get hurt in here. She stepped over a sticky mouse trap, squeezed through a narrow space bookended by the older kids' previous year's literature fair projects, and grabbed Tara off the side of a blue plastic storage bin. What have I told you about climbing these? This is dangerous. They could all tumble down on you. Tara's mom held the young one tight. 
as she reprimanded her. But her arms were still outstretched toward the booty. She strived for... What is it you want, this old thing? Mom asked, as she grabbed a red stuffed animal toy off the top of a tall pile of bins and handed it to her now happy child. Tara hugged the toy tight, thankfully, as her mother held her. She put her down, picked up her dropped Mickey Mouse flashlight, and warmly insisted, Okay, it is nap time for you. To your room. I'll follow. It wasn't the way she'd planned it, but Tara had at last achieved her goal. Exhausted by the hunt, the wee one napped well that afternoon. Memories of her early afternoon closet adventure dancing through her dreams. You've got to know Space Ranger Cletus Cavalier quite well over the last couple of months. He was first introduced at the end of August, and here we are in early November, about to finish his tale. Cletus Cavalier's Space Run, Part 6 of 7. Cletus's mission directive from the space place had been vague. All he knew is how and where to fly his AIK-205 to the Asteria Belt outpost, and he knew he was transporting medical supplies. There seemed to be an urgency to the whole thing, though the why was confidential, above Cletus Cavalier's pay grade. It would have been nice to know that the Asterians had been infected by a virus that would eventually cause them to destroy one another, bringing down their entire civilization from the inside out. It also would have been nice to know that Cletus was transporting the antidote that would save the Asterians from that destructive virus. If he had known all of this, it may have made sense to Cletus why the Asterians didn't greet him warmly with appreciation. The virus had already done its damage. Instead, he was sitting in a cell, his sometime frenemy, Scavenger, Scowl the Tormentor, given name, and Scowl's compadre, Ripper, wondering how it all went so wrong. The three slept little that night, opting instead to fine-tune a plan that would hopefully lead to escape. Cletus, Scowl, Ripper, and Ripper's shipmates were to be eliminated in front of an excited crowd of bloodthirsty Asterians, though keep in mind, it wasn't really the Asterians' fault. They're sick. The sickness makes them act like this. That would be little solace, though, to our heroes, who now walked in a single-file line to their demise. They passed other cells, filled with more unfortunate souls, in a shipyard that included their impounded ships, and mobs of people screaming awful things at them. Even Scowl seemed hurt by the display. That shows you how mean the crowds were. Scowl's last name is Tormentor, after all. I'm guessing, based on that, he's not usually easily rattled. The plan was supposed to involve Rippers faking an illness, dropping to the ground, in an overly exaggerated manner that caused a distraction long enough 
for Ripper's shipmates to grab some Asterian weaponry and provide cover for Cletus and Scowl to make a run for it, if possible back to their ships, back in that shipyard. It was a bad plan that probably would not have worked, but it was a better plan than what Ripper changed course to, his new plan being to just start a huge fight with all of the Asterians around him, convinced that he, Ripper, could on his own take on the ten guards and hundreds of spectators surrounding him. Don't want to pretend to be sick. Want to fight, was the last thing Cletus overheard Ripper say before the melee ensued. Thankfully, the end result was much the same as what they had planned, almost. Ripper's distraction had been much bigger than anticipated, the scene now resembling something of a riot. And while Ripper's crew was not able to get a hold of any weapons, and Scowl himself was quickly apprehended, Cletus did get the better of two would-be Asterian assailants in the midst of the brawl, knocking one out, pulling him around a nearby corner unseen, and stealing his clothes. Cletus then made a beeline to his ship. Now in costume, he was wearing one of the Asterian outfits. He headed to his ship while extra forces moved in to calm the unruly, violent situation nearby. The shipyard was basically empty now. Everyone who was there had left to watch the elimination, or maybe catch the current action Ripper's altercation had caused. This allowed Cletus easy access to his ship, as well as some of the much-needed materials that Cavalier would use to fix his old AIK-205. Cletus worked quickly. As order was restored at the riot, a hundred yards or so away, ten minutes had passed since Cletus's evasion. Ripper's sitch was still chaotic, but calming, Cletus had fixed one of the infinite problems that plagued his ride. Fifteen minutes in, order had been restored. Ripper, his crew, and Scowl were back in single file, beaten up considerably. Cletus was making adjustments to the AIK thrusters as Asterian officers first noticed his absence. Twenty minutes. Cletus removed spark plugs from Ripper's ship that he desperately needed and moved to put them in his AIK-205. As he did this, Asterian forces were searching the crowd for their missing captor. Surely, it wouldn't take long for them to realize that he wasn't there. And then they may head his way. Twenty-five minutes or so in, a super-focused and efficient Cletus Cavalier had easily accomplished two to three hours of work. Fearing for your life, apparently, lights this kind of fire under you. This is when he noted that about a dozen angry Asterians were running toward him, fifty yards away. Don't let me down, Cletus whispered as he revved up the ship, and it worked. It sputtered, it struggled, but it worked. The ship rotated. It lifted a few feet off the ground and settled hung there in the air as the Asterians opened fire on him. Guns blazed, ripping holes in the side of his ship. Bullets soared past him, narrowly missing him. 
smashing into instruments, glass, bouncing off metal, ricocheting. Cletus's next move would have been his last if the thrusters hadn't done their job, but they did, thankfully, and the AIK-205 blasted full speed ahead, above the heads of the Asterians firing at him, and toward the large crowds that had gathered to witness the elimination. He flew above the crowd, circling, to everyone's surprise, trying to decide if he should run for it or save the scavengers. That decision-making process lasted only a few seconds, when a rain of gunfire from the ground forced Cletus to fly away. The AIK-205 left in its wake a stream of purple smoke that emitted from the ship's cargo hold and drifted down to all below. Cletus realized that the medical supplies he had been assigned to deliver had been struck with at least a dozen bullet holes. Purple mist poured quickly from them. Oh, we won't need that anymore anyway. Here's your delivery, Asterians, Cletus said as he discharged the now-damaged load, watched it fall far to the ground below, and explode on impact into a purple mushroom cloud the size of a city block. He hadn't expected that, and the shock waves from the blast rocked his ship. Cletus, fine pilot that he is, was able to stabilize and blast away. Considerably lighter now, Cletus moved quickly and vanished into the horizon as a huge purple fog enveloped the Asterian people all around. End of chapter six. And that's all for this week, listeners. Much more to come in November, including the seventh and final chapter of Cletus Cavalier's Space Run. Turk and Porkchop return, too. Certainly wouldn't be a November without that adventurous turkey and pig. Got a lot of cool, fun, imaginative, weird stories lined up for November and December. Well into the new year of 2022. In the meantime, have a wild and wonderful week. Be good to each other, listeners. Be helpers. Professor Theo's Mystery Lab is written and read by Jonathan Joy. And Levi Joy. I'm Rissy Joy, the proud wife and mother of these two. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Spread the word. Tell a friend. If you don't, Professor Theo might blast you into outer space. If he could do that type of thing, I mean. Also, please consider supporting this project by making a small monthly pledge at ProfessorTheo.com. You can email our family at theprofessortheo at gmail.com or tweet at us at Theo underscore mystery. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. 